Hey everyone, this is the Quick Bite Show, an interactive podcast on call-in where we boil down complicated food and wellness topics into digestible conversations. I'm your host, Danny Sterling, and today on the show, I'm talking about cooking oils. So fat has gotten a bad rap over the years, and I think most people are opening up to the idea that fat doesn't necessarily make you fat. Thank you, keto. But I'm going to talk today more about what to look for when cooking with fat specifically. To get started, I want to put a couple things out there. First, I use a lot of fat, cooking, raw, etc. Second, I'm very particular about the types of fat that I use. We'll get into that in a little bit here. Third, I am of the opinion, uh, again, just <laughs> completely anecdotal and through some of the research that I've done on my own, um, that nutrient-dense fats are actually good for you generally speaking. I feel like there's a lot of caveats here. I got to be careful with what I say. Um, but I cook with a lot of fat because fat equals flavor. So growing up in traditional French kitchens, that's what we always heard. I'm sure plenty of you have heard that as well. Um, I've also noticed that from a nutritional perspective, that higher fat meals keep me full or satiated for much longer than whenever I was doing like a lower fat diet in the past. Um, every morning I do what's called a fat fast, uh, with bulletproof coffee. So one of the very first things I, I drink in the morning is coffee and a little bit of coconut oil. Um, it holds me over until lunchtime or so. So I get to skip breakfast and, uh, close up my, my eating window a little bit more. Um, my lunches mostly contain a, a higher amount of fat and I taper off into the evening. Everything I just said has nothing to do with cooking with fat. I figured I would just throw that in there. I kind of went on a tangent. Um, but I want to talk more specifically about why I'm so particular about my fats. Um, there are a few reasons, but mostly because there are some really dangerous fats out there. Um, so here's my general rule of thumb. And if anyone has any questions, because this segment, we can maybe get a little uh, detailed. If anybody has any questions about this, we can come back to it later on. Um, but first, saturated fat. So fats that are hard when cold, like coconut oil, animal fats, ghee, et cetera. Those are the best fats for cooking. Um, monounsaturated fats, so fats that are liquid when cold, like sesame oil, olive oil, et cetera. Great in raw applications like dressings and can be heated gently, but not too high. We'll talk about that a little bit here in a second. Then polyunsaturated fats, um, also cold at room temperature, should probably never be heated. Um, best in cold preparations. Um, now, of course, just like any rules, there's exceptions to this one. I like to use avocado hat, avocado oil as a high heat cooking fat. <laughs> Say that five times fast. I like to use avocado oil as a high heat cooking fat um, because it has a higher smoke point, which leads me to my point about saturated fats. Saturated fats tend to have a higher smoke point, which means that they're safer to cook with at a higher heat. Monounsaturated fats, aside from avocado oil, which I believe has a 400 degree smoke point. I'll have to fact check that maybe after the show, I'll put it in the notes. Um, but monounsaturated fats may be safe, but you have to be really careful when heating them um, because they have similar qualities to polyunsaturated fats when they get too hot. So don't sear stuff in sesame oil or olive oil. Also, it probably wouldn't taste super good. But um, then, as I said previously, polyunsaturated fats are incredibly fragile. Um, they can become oxidized or toxic when exos exposed to even the smallest amount of heat. For example, there are some seed and nuts oils like flax or almond oil that should be held in a refrigerator and even away from sunlight. 
um, because just the direct sunlight can actually damage the oils as well. So I rarely use them um, in really any application. And again, I'll just say this too, if anybody has any questions about why we can get into the, the um, balance of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids and, and all that stuff from a nutritional standpoint. But we're going to leave it at that because this is quick bites. So we're going to go through this quickly. All of this stuff that I'm talking about is heavily nuanced, but um, this is just the short and I don't know if I should say skinny, but this is the short version of what you need to know about fat. So um, now I'm going to break this talk um, or I'm going to end this talk with a really big, big, big major warning. But first, um, if anyone has any questions, please call in, go ahead and get in the caller queue um, and we'll, we'll chat some more about this. But here it is. This is the warning. Processed industrial oils like canola, soybean, Crisco shortening that your mom used to keep in the cabinet should never under any circumstances be ingested or even applied to your skin. And here's why. Um, this is actually an excerpt from Caroline Berenger with the Nutritional Therapy Association. I'm, I'm, I'm quoting her because she's much smarter than I am and much, well, much better spoken um, and puts this in a really concise format. But here's the, the quote. Even though canola is classified as a monounsaturated fat, it is also naturally high in omega-3 fatty acids. Extracted from the hybridized rapeseed, which is a genetically modified crop, canola is highly processed in all caps, is, is a highly processed in all caps oil. The omega-3 fatty acids in canola are delicate and turn rancid quickly during processing. Therefore, given the fact that canola oil must move through damaging extraction processes to be harvested and deodorized, it is safe to say that canola oil is unfit for consuming, much less cooking. It is an oil of industry and does not belong in the human digestive tract. Canola is the current oil of choice for prepared foods at Whole Foods markets across the country, end quote. Um, that also just reminds me on another note, most restaurants use canola oil or some other heavily processed oil, um, mostly because of their neutral flavor, but they also give foods a really good color when searing. But the, the real reason to be completely transparent is because they're super cheap. Um, industrial oils are used in all kinds of preparations in, in restaurants. So you have to be really careful because they can use it in a sauteing or they can also use it in dressings because most restaurants aren't super interested in the nutritional process. So if you see it on a menu somewhere where they specify that they don't use these kinds of oils, you're probably in, in, in good grace, but more than likely this is the oil that they're using is something along the lines of like a canola or a so so soybean. So if you're wondering, wondering, and I hope I'm not ruining this for anyone, but yes, unfortunately fried foods are incredibly toxic, um, not because of the foods themselves or the process of frying, but because they're submerged in a toxic oil um, that has been sitting in a heated vat for hours out of the day. So just a quick side note, um, this is how deep fryers work. Typically, the fryer is turned on at the beginning of the shift. The oil is there from the night before, um, so it's sitting in there cold. Uh, it comes up to temp quickly using very hot coils or an indirect flame. And then that oil, once up to 350, anywhere from 350 to 475 degrees, sits in that fryer until the end of the night. So you can imagine if this is a restaurant that has breakfast, lunch, and dinner, 
um, that fryer isn't getting turned off throughout the course of the day. So you have a super toxic oil that should never be heated, just sitting at a very high temperature for a long period of time. In nice restaurants at the end of the night, it's at least strained. So any particles may be removed. However, it's still at this point, just completely damaged and incredibly toxic. Um, but most places just let it cool overnight for the next shift. So needless to say, this is one of the, the worst practices from a nutritional perspective um, that I've seen in kitchens. Of course, I've seen a lot um, other terrible things in kitchens from an emotional standpoint, but we'll get into that for another show. Um, okay. so. Uh, this has been a lot if you're listening to this right now. Um, if you're listening to this later, please feel free if you have any questions to shoot me a DM. Um, you can also email me danny at eliafood.com. I love to talk about this stuff. So I'd be more than happy to send you over any resources that I might have. But if you're listening right now, call in. Let's chat. I've got a couple more things. Oh, perfect. Jeff is here. Jeff, welcome. Hey, man. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Uh, so I have kind of a, a quirky uh, a quirky take on on using olive oil that I just want your opinion on. Um, sure. So uh, when I make eggs in the morning, almost always go uh, over over medium, and I'll spray the I'll spray the pan like a nonstick pan, and then I just put like a little bit of olive oil in there as like uh you know a little bit of a coat and i don't know just it makes the egg soft i've had enough people tell me that i'm crazy that i want i want a, a professional a professional opinion well i hope i can help so really quick do you did you say you spray the pan with olive oil like you have an olive oil spray yeah, well yeah i do have olive oil uh like the non-stick spray and then um and then i put like a little bit of olive oil in there as well. Okay. So I'm just going to assume, I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes I try to stay away from sprays um, just in case there's any kind of aerosol that's intermixed with the fat. Um, there are some like self propel, propel sprays, or if you're like loading the olive oil into a misto and you're pumping it, I think that's totally safe. I mean, honestly, I, I personally don't cook with olive oil a lot just because it's such a heavy peppery flavor, especially extra virgin olive oil. Um, but as long as you're not getting it above the smoke point, which I can double check and see what that is. I don't have it on the top of my head just because I, um, I don't really cook with olive oil that much, but if you don't get it above the smoke point, which is around 374 to 405, meaning whenever that Fahrenheit. So if the, the oil starts to smoke a little bit in the pan, um, you, you want to tone it down a little bit. Um, at that point it can become fractured or, or start to become a little bit more fragile, um, and this is purely from a nutritional standpoint, um, as far as flavor and like cooking goes, you, you can totally cook, um, eggs and olive oil. It's not a problem at all. Does it make them softer? I don't know. I think, was that your original question? I forgot. I forgot what the original No, question. no. Like that's, that's my opinion that it does. That's why I do it. But, uh, I know that you're like not supposed to cook with olive oil. It never gets that hot. Um, last, last mm -hmm. question. I think the like avocado oil seems to be kind of a, uh, the flavor of the month, if you will, in the, uh, in the oil space. So what's, what's your take mm -hmm. on that? Yeah, I like avocado oil because it's neutral. Um, I think the avocado oil smoke point is around 400 degrees um, Fahrenheit, which is pretty high for a lot of the stuff that I cook. 
Um, so with my company, Elia, we cook um, like meats and things like that a lot. And typically we would try to get a good sear on them. Um, so if I don't want to actually avocado oil smoke point is 520. Um, and that also too. So there's a little bit of nuance to that as well, based off of how it's extracted. Um, but yeah, avocado oil, I love. What I don't love for avocado oil is whenever you make a mayonnaise. Um, I've, I see like, I'm trying to think, Primal Kitchen, I think, makes a mayonnaise out of avocado oil and it just tastes terrible. I'm like, not a fan at all. Um, but yeah, for cooking and searing and things like that, especially if you're making something that's vegetarian or vegan, I think it's great. Um, alternatively, I like to use refined coconut oil um, because refined actually has a higher smoke point than extra virgin and it doesn't have that super heavy um, um, coconut flavor it's it's much more um, neutral so yeah that's my my take on avocado interesting that's great i'll have to try it i'll uh i'll step down yeah. so paul can uh get up here but thanks <laughs> cool yeah thanks jeff thanks for the question Hey, Danny. Oh, welcome. Good. Did you just did you just join the platform? I did. I, I think I saw I randomly went to live today and I saw testing and it was just you and I was like, I'm going to leave him to that. How did, how did, it, how did it go? <laughs> well, what was happening was that it was working fine. Then all of a sudden out of the blue, my I just couldn't talk and I couldn't hear anybody on a particular testing with I think one of the folks that work with the app. So and, and I just I left it alone for a while and I came back and started working. So. Oh, good. Well, well, you're here. We're here and it's working. What's going on? Not too much. I just looked at your website. So your company, is it sort of like prepared foods that you just microwave, you just put in the oven? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. So what I found is that with a lot of these food services that do that, how do you guys address um, helping people know they're getting the proper nutrition through the foods that they're eating that you guys have, like your plans. Like say, for instance, I wanted to eat one of your meals every night of the mm -hmm. week, not get bored with it, have something that tastes really good, but know that I'm sort of meeting my health goals. Oh, I love that question. Paul. That's <laughs> a good question. Yeah. So I'm glad you asked that. That's so cool because now I get to promote my company and talk to you at the same time. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's funny because, um, there's, you, I'm sure, where are you based, Paul, if you don't mind me asking, you can give me, a, I'm in Dallas. Okay. I was gonna say, you can give me a general <laughs> vicinity. No, um, Dallas. Cool. so I'm trying to think you all have territory out there, um, which is a, a great company. Um, they're here on the, we're in Richmond, Virginia, where I'm in Richmond, Virginia. So territory is out here as well. Um, there are some really, I mean, it's, it's becoming saturated, which is great. There's tons of meal prep companies out there, which is if, if everybody's trying to make this food readily available, I'm happy. Um, what I will say is that, and this is from, um, just my personal experience that I never did super well with like a macro template where you meet with a nutritionist and they say, okay, uh -huh. eat this much fat, this much carb, this much protein. And primarily uh -huh. because it just, I'm already pretty type A. So like trying to just obsess <laughs> about getting exactly 42 grams of carbs post-workout. It just was like not <laughs> me. It just made my life way more stressful. And I think I talked about that in a random episode recently. What I will say, and to be be more concise uh, in my answer, is whenever I started Elia, my goal was to make 
food that was locally sourced um, from nutrient dense soil, super available. Because what I'm looking at right now is everybody is on a different nutritional path. There may be some people that, you know, have never dieted. And I say that with air quotations have never, I'll just say it, put it this way. There may be (laughs) some people out there that are taking the first step in their wellness journey and they've never experienced anything like this before. There might also be people that have been doing a macro template for six years and they love Mm -hmm. it. And then there's everyone in between. So what I wanted to do was if you're in a pinch and you want to eat something that you know is going to be good for you, you can stop by one of our machines or you can order online. And it almost gives the user the opportunity to see what works for them. Mm. Um, We display macros. um, We display Mm. uh, nutritional information and we display all the ingredients. The other piece is that literally everything that we do and we openly invite people to come by and check out our kitchen and our processes. Um, Everything that we do is actually locally sourced where we know the farmers and we know their practices or organic. Organic is our baseline. All of our meats are either grass-fed, grass-finished, all of them, yeah, either grass-fed, grass-finished or pasture-raised. So our chickens and pork products are all like pasture-raised with the the practice of regenerative agriculture in mind. So all of our chicken and pork comes from Joyce Farms, um, which you can Google Joyce Farms. I won't get too far into it, but they're a a regenerative farm. Um, And then our beef, actually, we don't have any beef on the menu right now. It was coming from Joyce. There was another local farm. We got it from Polyface for a little bit, but we switched up back to Joyce. So everything's coming from Joyce at this moment. And then all of our vegetables come from either local purveyors um, or organic purveyors. But the the we the to to round it all out to a very long-winded answer to your question i kind of we take a shotgun approach so if you eat something from us you know it's coming from good quality soil you know it's being made appropriately we're not like boiling you know we're not making canola oil smoke um for 45 minutes before we sear something um we're using really high quality oils we're not putting any processed ingredients in there so you know that you know you can eat our food for every meal and be okay Okay, and then let me ask you this question. On, on your website, I just probably need to fill out that first part. Hey, Paul, could you say that again? You cut out, cut out a little bit. I might have lost him. All right, Paul, I'm going to... Go to Malcolm next. If you if you get service again, or if you come back around, call pop on back up, and we'll we'll um, we'll uh, we'll bring you back up here. Malcolm, what's going on? Hey, how are you, Danny? Good. Um, you? I joined in the middle of your deep fryer story, um, and I <laughs> am generally pretty like ingredient aware of what I eat, what, what I put in my body, but. A lot of times, um, you know, one of my favorite things to order, fried chicken sandwich, have them, have them a lot. <laughs> so my question to you is, you know, understanding that, you know, generally when you deep fry something like that, it's in canola oil or something that's um, either not been turned, been sitting there for a long time and reheated many times over. Um, is there a way to, you know, do a fried chicken or something like that that's done uh, more healthily, or it's just the you know to to get that breading and, and friedness. Um, is that just going to be inherently bad? Yeah, great question. So 
I'm, and I'm really happy you asked that too, because I think a lot of what, you know, myself and my wife, what we believe in um, as far as nutrition goes, is that like, you can pretty much find a compromise anywhere. And so fried foods, that's like my, that's like my weak point. I love fried foods. I'm like obsessed with fried foods. I just never eat them because I know that they're all going to be cooked in canola oil in some regard. So yes, to, to answer your question, yes, there is. So um, starting from the top, the process of frying chicken, if I were going to do it in a traditional restaurant setting with no um, nutritional focus, what I would do is I would brine the chicken in buttermilk. I would then, and that's typically overnight. So you put the chicken into some buttermilk, you let it sit overnight with maybe a little bit of salt. The next day you pull it out of the buttermilk whenever it's time for it to be fried. Um, you dredge it in a little bit of flour and then you drop it directly into your, um, your deep fryer. Uh, you cook it until it's golden brown. And then typically, depending on the thickness of whatever part of the chicken you're cooking, you pop it in the oven and you bring it up to 165 degrees and let it carry over. Um, so all of those processes, depending on what you can tolerate, if you can tolerate dairy, obviously um, buttermilk is great. I would suggest getting a grass-fed, grass-finished um, buttermilk if you can. Um, if you can't tolerate buttermilk or dairy, you could go with a almond um, milk or, you know, some other kind of non-dairy milk and then add a little bit of apple cider vinegar to it. So it gets kind of that fermented flavor that you would get from the buttermilk. And then um, same process for step number two, post brining. And I usually do that overnight. So post brining, you would dredge it in. You could either do, um, I like to use, if I'm going to use flour, like a wheat flour that does have gluten in it, I like to use King Arthur organic flour. That's my, my favorite. Um, you could totally use King Arthur organic if you have a gluten aversion or you're following something like a paleo diet. I did some extensive, some extensive chicken tender testing whenever I thought that I was going to start a CPG company. Um, I was going to make kids chicken tenders that were like paleo. So I'm, I'm glad you asked fried chicken specifically because I'm well versed in this. I feel like um, you can ask Julia the next time you see her. My days off in Florida were spent frying lots of chicken in a little fryer at home. <laughs> Um, but you can use, um, I liked a mixture and I can always send you the recipe, obviously, but I liked a mixture of, um, almond flour and, um, I think, oh, and cassava flour. And there's a ratio there and it works just as well. And then for the fat, instead of using, um, canola oil, I like to use refined coconut oil, not extra virgin olive oil or not extra virgin coconut oil. Extra virgin coconut oil, like I said previously, has more of a coconut flavor. Um, refined coconut oil has a more neutral flavor, so it doesn't taste as much like coconut and a higher smoke point. So, um, you know, you throw that thing on a brioche bun and you douse it with some good mayonnaise and pickles and stuff like that, you would never even know the difference, um, <laughs> in, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I go. Great, great question, Malcolm. You got anything else for me? Um, no, that's just had fried chicken on the mind. So, you know, uh, <laughs> per, per usual. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the end. Yeah. Good to talk to you, man. Alan, what's going on? Alan, if you're still there, I'd, I'd love to chat with you. If anybody else has any questions, feel free to hop into the queue. I'm going to wait on Alan for a little bit longer, and then I'm probably going to go ahead and
Oh, wait a minute. How about now? There we go. You found the mute button. Oh, I found the, the Well, I <laughs> the unmute button to another screen, and now I see a little microphone button on the bottom. Um, anyway, Alan, welcome, welcome to the Quick Bite Show, and welcome to the college platform. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, so, I just want to say, uh, Google uh, Dr. Ken Barry Oils, and he he has a lot of. He's a YouTube doctor, and he's been preaching exactly what you said about the dangers of uh, processed and hydrogenated oils. Uh, and it's very, you know, so I'm, I'm enjoying this stuff. Mm. So it, avocado oil is good for. Oh, good. Um, I think they have that at Trader Joe's. So I'm looking, I'm thinking of oils that are readily available. They also have coconut oil at Trader Joe's. I wonder if that's the good one. Yeah, you're good with coconut oil. Um, just like anything else too, Alan, I like to, I should have probably prefaced this earlier in the show. Um, always checking to see the sources of any ingredients. So um, also to side note, I've got Dr. Ken Berry pulled up here. I have seen some of his stuff before, but yeah, he's uh, obviously great. Um, anything that's sourced well, yeah. so like for, and again, in my opinion, if it's, if it's coconut oil, I'd like it to be organic. Um, if it's like a oil that has the potential. So if it's one of those mono, um, and if you joined a little bit later on, I went over this previously at, at the beginning of the show. Um, if it's like a mono, um, unsaturated fat, um, or if it's a polyunsaturated fat, we'll actually use polyunsaturated fat as a point of reference. If it's a polyunsaturated fat, like grapeseed oil, you want to be really conscious of the sourcing and then of the, the, um, the way that it's been processed. So I like to use expeller press oils. Um, it's a little bit less of an, uh, I guess, less of a um, toxic process to, to, to extract the oil. That was the word I was looking for, extract. To extract the oil. Um, and I just look for that in pretty much anything I do. But yeah, Trader Joe's, I mean, yeah. you're usually pretty solid um, as long as it's organic and, and coming from a good place. And you can do a little bit of homework on your own to figure that out too. Oh, and then of course, uh, Dr. Dr. Weil has been preaching this for over a decade too. Interesting. How do you spell oh, yeah. that? W-E-I-L. Andrew Weil. Great. I'm going to, yeah, I actually should probably put some more, um, some more stuff in the show notes. There's a lot of folks, um, that don't really get, I think, pushed as much in the mainstream. I've, I'm, I've found out about this from, uh, Dr. Catherine Shanahan about five years ago, um, in a book that she wrote called deep nutrition, um, filled with tons of studies, tons of great information, um, not a single piece of it I could recite from memory. I just remember it having a big effect on me, and I thought I'm never going to eat canola oil again, which I, I have since. But uh, that, that's I remember reading it and being like, "Wow, this is really serious," and the data is really easy for me to read. So, um, yeah. Well, it's funny when canola oil first came out, everyone thought, "Oh, this is amazing! This is so healthy now." You know, it stands for Canada Oil, I believe, or something like that. And uh, yeah, it's they're not, they're finding it's not very healthy at all. I feel like, and I'm I, I want to be really careful here, but um, there was so the original studies um, with Ansel Keys, who was one of the first um, scientists to start like pushing this low fat diet stuff. Um, there may have been uh, some proof, and I, I would suggest everybody Google's this. So don't quote me on this, but I think that there may have been some proof that he was using similar um oils like canola to conduct studies and then um 
maybe fudging the numbers a little bit or maybe cooking the study a little bit, uh, no pun intended, to make it look like an, an animal fat, um, which I'm sure a lot of these folks talk about. But I remember I remember reading something similar to that. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I'd like to see, I, I mean, again, too, with a lot of these studies, it's nobody really benefits from from completely removing something like canola oil because it's going, people are going to lose jobs. You know, uh, this might sound crazy, but I'm going to mention it. Just Dr. Berry is actually a fan of bacon fat. What do you think? Love it. It depends. Well, yeah. So I say love it. A knee jerk reaction. I love bacon fat. Um, so we, I use bacon fat all the time, um, especially with a lot of the stuff we cook at Elia. Uh, we render it slowly uh, and I can get all into how to render fats appropriately. Um, but we render it slowly and then we use a bacon that literally the ingredients are salt um, and a little bit of celery powder and not like a super concentrated celery powder. It's literally just dehydrated celery um, and smoke. That's it. There's this big thing that came out recently when exactly. people were saying like, you know, there's more nitrates yeah. in, in celery powder than there is in synthetic nitrates. And I'm like, right, but it's celery versus a synthetic nitrate. So I'm going to go. I'm going to vote celery versus a synthetic nitrate. So, um, yeah, you know, low ingredients, no sugar bacon or like a paleo suited bacon, um, obviously raised in regenerative fashion. Um, I'll render it appropriately and I'll use the fat for just about everything. And I, I'd have to double check the smoke point, but again, I think we're in the five hundreds, um, on that as well. So yeah, big fan of, big fan of smoke, uh, bacon fat. Okay, sir. Thank you. I'm going to sign out now. Thank you. If anybody else has any more questions, I'm going to keep it open. We're, we're about to hit the mark. Feel free to call in. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. I really appreciate you coming and listening. If you're listening to this later, like I said, please, if you have any questions or if I said something just completely incorrect or egregious that I need to correct myself, feel free to shoot me a DM um, or shoot me an email, danny at elliofood.com. I'm signing off. Looking forward to talking to you guys again soon. Thanks.